When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. listen to Australian Formula One podcasting, you will know this man's obsession with Melbourne sound effects. I certainly love it. Lots of people love it. And if you're listening to this podcast, you've likely listened to Box of Neutrals. We've had Michael Aminato on and it's not his turn because in this episode of the Lakeside Drive F1 podcast, I chat with Rob James. I'm joined legitimately by my friend and yours because he is my friend. We probably speak more than the rest of the Lakeside Drive crew and I speak. Rob James, welcome to the podcast. I think I've spoken to you more than I have Peter McGinley, um, <laughs> which is bizarre. Um, but, that, but that's not for contractual reasons, obviously. No, yes, it's just, of course. He's just very, very hard man to get a hold off being, uh, you know, those broadcast towers ain't going to service themselves, put it that way. <laughs> Oh, mate, it's so good to have you on. Uh, it's been many years since we spoke to who I, I call him Lamo, which I think I'm the only person to, but to Michael. Um, uh, and there is so much, there's so much that's happened since that time. And what I wanted to do is just bring you out from that because you're very good at your sound effects, specifically Melbourne based Australiana sound effects. Uh, and have a little bit of a chat about Rob because not many people know a lot about you. Um, for good or for bad reasons. So let's let's go right back to the beginning, mate. Let's go back to young Rob. Take us from university. What were you doing and how did this trajectory sort of start? Uh, so I often joke this at the job I currently work at because uh, about half of us are actually not qualified for our jobs. And so <laughs> I have a Bachelor of Creative Arts, me, graphic design mm. with distinction. In animation, <laughs> as, a, a minor in animation as well. Okay. <laughs> um, and I then uh, worked for like a year. Um, I genuinely didn't know what a good minimum wage was, so I thought thirty-two thousand dollars was uh, was was fine. I thought Gee, it's more than you know handing out newspapers <laughs> um, for like twenty bucks an hour in two thousand. This is two thousand eight, two thousand ten mm. money we're talking as well. Mm. So. It's a little bit different. Times were different back Real then. Real dollary dues, yes, not like now. Cheese wasn't 10 bucks a block <laughs> like it is now or whatever it is in 10, 20 years' time when you're re-watching this podcast yeah. <laughs> or vodcast. Um, and then I did, I, I, uh, I did that, but then I decided to venture in, and I don't know why, but I'm glad I did, 
into community radio, which is where ultimately I met Lamio. As <laughs> actually, that was his, that was his nickname. Was it at the, at the community station CineFM in in Melbourne? <laughs> Goodness, uh, I uh, I'm. Michael's not really a nickname kind of guy. No. I just call him Michael because mm. he's a sensible kind of fellow. That's true. You know? So I've only ever referred to him as as Michael. Um, but anyway, but uh he was also he also had the unfortunate nickname, and again, this is this predates the 2010 era. He had the, the unfortunate nickname Lemon Party. <laughs> Don't Google it. Uh <laughs> which I respectfully did not call him that, and therefore we became kindred spirits yeah. because <laughs> I afforded him the dignity of his actual name. Mm. Um, and then in that time, I, uh, I like ultimately I joined that community station because I wanted, I'd heard about it. I want to get involved just, you know, for the social aspect and things like that. Not necessarily having an interest in broadcasting. In fact, I was shitting bricks at the thought of, you know, talking in front of a microphone and stuff like that. I wanted, so my role was initially I was like, oh, I ain't talking, I'm, I just want to press buttons, and so I did a show with a couple of, um, couple of blokes, which is the, you know, the classic Hamish and Andy plus one mm. sort of formula that everyone at that time uh, walked into, and uh, I just I played the sound effects. That's where the sound effects came from, and then I did a show on a Monday, or sorry, on a Friday afternoon, <clears throat> and then Michael did a show with um, uh, one of his mates from school as well. On a, but he did that on a Monday afternoon, and uh, his friend enjoyed the sound effects that I had, um, and we sort of met each other along the way. That we, you know, all the shows got together and had a meet and greet. And um, his other mate, also called Michael, is <coughs> um, <laughs> like, "Oh, mate, I love the I love the sound effects or whatever." And and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah no worries, I'll, I'll burn you a CD." It sounds ridiculous <laughs> in this day and age. So we literally, on, I literally had sound effects on a CD. Um, I had the tracks and so you'd have to scroll through. You could go, you could scroll through it pretty quick. Um, and then, and, and I gave him like, I don't know, it was like 15 sound effects, like, like, you know, um, a donkey noise and, uh, you know, a prize music and ding dings and wah wah wahs and shit like that. Uh, and then, yeah, then his, then Michael's mate, Michael, gets very confusing. <laughs> Bear with me. This is good. Then decides to use my sound effects, which, Attracts the ire of of Lamio, and then uh, we and then eventually uh, Lamio and I started talking, uh, and then we both found out that we had a. Uh, I loved F one at this point. I was I was like knee deep into into watching it and whatever you know, fresh out of high school, or whatever, so I could watch it late at night without mm. a care in the world. Um, whereas interestingly, Lamio had actually fallen sort of out of love with F one. Um, by this point, was a was a you know classic Ferrari fan as a mm. kid and whatever. And used to watch it. I think he would still go to the race. I think his family would go get tickets and and yeah, because I had grandstand passes. Because I went with them a couple of times as well. And so he had a casual interest in it, <clears throat> but then he never really knew anyone else that really liked it. And so then we met. We both really liked F Y. He started to really get into it again. Um, obviously from the podcast point of view. And it was actually like if you remember 2010, it was a ripper season. So mm. it was a perfect time um, to, I guess, do an F1 podcast, of which I might note we 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 still maintain the fact I reckon we were one of the early F1 podcasts Probably the, in the world. the F1 podcast. <coughs> no one else before. Genuinely. 
Oh, definitely not in Australia because our tagline used to be, it was uh, Box of Neutrals, Australia's only Formula One <laughs> radio show to the best of our knowledge. That was the tagline. <laughs> why didn't you, why don't you know still got that? that? That's still true, probably. No, because there isn't, well, because now we're not a radio show. So <laughs> Not with that attitude. Gave, yeah. <laughs> Because fast forward a few years, the ABC gave us the arse and then we'll get to the ABC and we'll get to Red Simons at some point in the future. <laughs> yes. So how but so how do you then form that? So you've gone to the Grand Prix a couple of times. Michael's loved 2007. You've loved 2009-10 because Jensen and of course it got exciting. It does come and go, listeners. Yes, 20, <laughs> this year has not been so good and 21 was very exciting, but 2009 and 10 were also very good. Uh, so how do you then sort of get together after Michael and Michael and then Rob plus Hamish and Andy equivalents? Well, funnily enough, because I, with the sound effects and whatever, and the other show that I was doing, it was also seasonal too. So you mm. did it in like, so let's say we, we the, the stupid Hamish and Andy-esque show that I did was, um, uh, was like through summer and then through uh, autumn and winter. Um, we, Michael and I decided to basically pilot the show um, because we, I guess with my background, I didn't even have a background. I was self-taught. I just enjoyed editing mm -hmm. um, and I was starting to get into it just for fun, to be honest. Um, and so, you know, get, gather, gathering sound effects and just mixing things and, you know, I, I like I used to like radio as a medium and so I think, again, not that I plan to get into it, I just I just did it for fun. I did it for fun. And so I had pretty high standards um, for production uh, and Michael is a bit of a sticklet for that as well. So kind of perfectionists in in some areas and, of course, being, you know, 20, 21, 22, um, we had nothing better to do and all the time <laughs> in the world. So we could do it back then. And it's interesting. We listened back. And so Michael and I still do the podcast, but I still reckon that 2010 to 2014, I want to say, era, like we'll go through sound effects and we'll be like, bloody hell, this was actually pretty well produced. <laughs> like there's layers of audio, there's left and right channels going, there's, you know, filters and whatever. Whereas now, I, not that I don't give a shit, but, uh, you know, priorities in life change mm. a little bit and you can't put in the same amount of hours into something that's basically um, for free. Like even when, you know, some of the ABC stuff, like, you know, I, I would still do that. I still did all the show media. So I did um, like the the intro. And out, well, I, no, I did like the set, the things in between because the ABC made us an intro and then not that we weren't told we couldn't make our own, but I was just, I didn't want to offend Andy, the, the audio producer, <laughs> who was a lovely fellow. Um, and so, yeah. We, we we still did a lot of things ourselves, um, and we still do a lot of things ourselves. But it's just you know doing dumb sketches with our oh I'm Peter McGinley. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, to, we would do like dumb sort of sketches about Peter, and the formula was great because Michael was basically the the anchor. I was just talking, I was just talking shit, um, and then Peter was just like uh, I was just like just flick him at the back of the head and annoy him and therefore we would just create gold. Mm. Um, it was akin to cyberbullying, but nevertheless, <laughs> we, we, we all knew the, what the, the formula was and it worked. Um, 
And and it was great. Like like and and to be honest, that time was like I do miss not having Peter. He's not dead, don't worry. He's just working a lot, <laughs> and he's contractually, contractually not allowed to appear yeah, yeah. on podcasts as well. That's a true story. But um, so I do miss that because it, it, it's it's what made the show work. But mm. um, as Michael and I have gotten older, we've kind of matured in a little bit, but still kept a little bit of our ways. And it's easier to do now because. We're a bit older and wiser. We know our way around the sport. Michael's a bit more well-credentialed, um, especially. Um, we're slightly less juvenile in our behaviour because it gets a bit sad and pathetic if we're still doing undergraduate humour in our 30s. But, but yeah, it's uh, – but, but Peter back then, like, we would just, you know, make dumb sketches about him and involve him with F1. And Peter knew nothing about F1. He was literally there just to, just to you know, play the music, play the sound effects and whatever. <laughs> But it was perfect because he knew nothing about F1. We'd be nattering on about, oh, Kurz, what a piece of <laughs> shit that is. And Peter would go, what the, what's, what the, what's Kurz? And so then we'd explain it. Um, and then because obviously we're on a community radio mm. station as well, there'd be people that'd be listening and they never heard of F1. This is long before Drive to Survive. This is while F1 was big but not USA big <laughs> um, like it is now. So... It was it was it was such a different time back then, and it wasn't and it wasn't that it was worse. It was just different back then, and um, and yeah, it, it was. It, it it's 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 funny. I often think that like we were ahead of our time, and we were just in the we were both in the right place, right time, but also the right place, wrong time. If that makes sense, mm. I reckon if you know we were the same age we were then, but now, uh, yeah, life would be a bit different. You guys have been producing podcasts for a long time. In fact, it's probably coming up to 10, 12 years worth of Boxer Neutrals. What will next year be? We actually count season, the 2010 season, as season naught because that was our pilot season. Right. Because it was only available on podcasts back then. Yeah. Because our thing was like we we divvied up the seasons in terms of the radio show. So and that goes to show how much podcasts have changed where – you know, podcasts are very much, you know, the series. It's not, it's not like the extra bonus feature anymore. It's not um, just a bit of – it's a primary source now for information and, you know, whatever. So for us, yeah, the 2010 season was season naught and then it was really season – 2011 was the actual radio show season, if that makes sense. Um, so if we go off that uh, – that would be so. If, hang on, I'm doing the maths. So it'll be your 13th right. season, right? If my maths is correct, going into 2024 will be your 13th season of Box of Neutrals. Yeah, yeah, it should be. Yeah, it should be minus one because season 10 would have been 2020. One, two, three. No, hang on, that makes sense. Maybe it's 2014. Doesn't matter. A long Let's time. Go season, a long, a long time, time ago. Yeah, I also Over asked, a decade. I asked Michael this yesterday too, and he also couldn't remember how long it was. So that show, if you yeah. can't remember. You've been doing it a long time. I think that's probably just a default yeah. thing. And that probably sums up where we're at with it. It's not that we don't care or we're tired. It's at a level where it is just so manageable. Mm. It is like flying a plane on autopilot. Like we're literally, there are episodes where we don't have notes prepared. Michael's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm too busy. And I'm like, oh, that's cool, whatever. We'll just we'll just riff because I think Michael and I know each other um, so well and we've done it for so long that, it's it's easy. Whereas I think, you know, I've done it and I've done it before. And it's affected my career as well because I'm so used to just 
like just knowing what to do. And it's just like, ah, oh, we'll just talk through it. And then some people just freak out and go, oh, fuck, I need dot points. I need a structure. I need a rundown. I need this, that, and the other, whereas I'm just used to winging it. It's like basically it's it's like having a – it's like we've done Kerber enthusiasm for 13 years. He's the set of dot points. You make up the dialogue. You just say something and just make it organic, whereas, you know, um, others that I've worked with are like, oh, I need a script, I need this and that, and um, which is interesting. Not that it's a good, bad, or wrong, or indifferent, or anything. It's just a different way of doing it that I just haven't been used to, um, and it gives me a different – you know, set of skills that I can just, yeah. I have done it before where I, and I, uh, not that I'm not proud to admit it. I am proud to admit it because I'm saying it right now. But there are times <laughs> where, so like on or like on SEN, for example, mm. I'd get called up from like friends of a friend saying, oh, hey, can we talk about the, the I don't know, the, what's a good example? The Brazilian Grand Prix, for example. I'm like, yeah, sure, no worries. I watched it last night. Um <laughs> I've literally, I, I have gone through live radio interviews basically going, yeah, first, second, third, fourth, who scored 10th, who retired, I'll wing it from here. Um, and 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 I'd be able to do that. Um, but that also comes with also doing it for so long and knowing the sport that yep. I can actually bullshit my way through it. I've never been wrong. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. So I never called out. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah, I think when you do it long enough and you absorb so much information and random tidbits, if they ask you a, a very general question, which most radio hosts who are looking for information about, you know, F1 to fill a 10, 15-minute segment, they'll ask a broad question. It doesn't. They don't care where you take it. So long as yes. you fill the time and it sounds intelligent, they are, yeah. they're absolutely fine. Now, you mentioned ABC. Let's go, let's go back to that. So... You've you've put the podcast together. You've called it Box of Neutrals, which is a great name for it. And you were very glad when Martin Brundle then set it on a live broadcast somewhere so you could grab yes. that audio for your intro. How yes. did you turn it into being on the ABC? I'll, I'll, I'll give a brief story on the Box of Neutrals name and then I'll mm, get into please. that. But but Michael and I also went to the same uni. And so we would basically, we when we were coming up with the show name, we both just said, let's just come up with like 10, 20 names each. Um, and I don't know where Boxer Neutrals came from, but I, I don't know if I heard it or Googled it or something. I can't remember, but I basically jotted all these names down. And all the names were pretty shit, like, you know, <laughs> Lakeside Drive and <laughs> the warm-up lap and, you know. Pit Stop, WTF1, yeah, 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 The Race, yeah. Autosport. Um, oh, no, that was taken. Yeah, the, the – um, the, the reserve drivers, yeah. uh, you know, all those all those shit names. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dirtfish, uh, you know, the Rusty's Garage. <laughs> the, uh, you know, You Cannot oh. Be Serious. Yeah. Uh, Car sales. Board, oh, sorry, I mean. <laughs> Triple M's Rush Hour with JB and Billy. The Neil Mitchell Show, you know. Anyway. <laughs> And so I, so oh. I actually, I came up, and I'm shattered that I can't find it. And I've was F1 360 like, part of the names that you put together at that point. I should have, yeah. yeah, that would have been the TV show. Yeah, no but, Um, but I, I actually came up with it, and I can't for the life of me find the notebook that it was in because it was, it was all these names, and I just, it was not for the for the fact to gloat that I came up with the name, but I just want to find know what the others <laughs> on the shortlist were. 
And that stuck with Michael. Michael really liked it. And he went, oh, you know what? I don't mind that. And so I think we made that as the pilot prototype name and uh, we never changed it. So um, that was that. But then, um, yeah, fast forward, we did the the, the CineFM stuff on community radio for uh, another 10, 11, 12, so another four years. I want to s- – oh, no, hang on, um, 10, 11. So we did it for about three years. Mm. Um, we were known for like our egregious level of production. Um, <laughs> like, you know, we started filming stunts and it was just like, you know, it was classic because it was on radio. We could afford to do stupid shit. And, you know, we once hired, a. <laughs> this was the great thing about Oxford. It was an F1. Sh- this, this is the thing people liked about it. And the common feedback we had was, I know, I know nothing about F1, but I enjoy listening to your show. And that was the best feedback that we could ever get yeah. because in between talking about, you know, oh, has Pirelli made too hard of a tyre for um, for F1, in walks in a male stripper um, to basically dance on Peter McGinley's table to annoy him. I Literally a bunch of us got pissed one night and said, oh, Someone, someone said, "Oh, why don't you get a, a stripper to come in and annoy Peter?" And and I said, "No, uh, you know, a, a a female stripper would would be tasteless and tacky and mm. and uh, and sexist and derogatory. So let's bring in a male stripper." Um, <laughs> and so we paid with our own money. Um, and it's funny because you would think I would be the one that would be all for it. Um, I actually took the video down off our YouTube channel because I thought it was distasteful <laughs> and I thought it would jeopardise our chances of, uh, of of going to a mainstream broadcaster like 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 the ABC. And Michael was like, nah, keep it. It's funny. <laughs> I'm like, I can't do it. But I, and then eventually I did take it down. I don't think he knows that I took it down. <laughs> but I... I uh, but again, in it, it's something that I would not do now because mm. it's stupid. Oh, no. <laughs> it's fine. This, it's, is, it's this wrong. is this is the time that canceled. like Tropic Thunder was being released and everyone was yeah, okay with that. Yeah. So things have changed. It was, yeah. It was, you know, not to go old Daryl Summers, but it was you could do a lot more back then. Mm. But it was like, yeah, it just we just do stupid stuff like that. And and so um, yeah, that was the great bit of feedback. That wasn't the reason why we got to the ABC, mind you, <laughs> as well. But in that time, uh, it was because Michael and I then did a radio course together at Swinburne, rest in peace, the, the great <laughs> um, graduate diploma of commercial radio at mm. Swinburne. Such fine graduates as um, as uh, as Fifi Box. <laughs> um, I forget who the other ones were, but other people have in the industry of notes where went through that course and Michael Abinado and Rob James did as well. So, um, but yeah, we, we, we did that in its final year in 2012. And so, and in that time, Michael became a, a panel operator at SEN through a friend of a friend, the stories, man, the stories. Uh, <laughs> and then I, and then I became, uh, bizarrely a street team member and then a panel operator, then an overnight announcer at Nova in Melbourne. What? Did I, do you not know this? No. Overnight oh. announcer on Nova? Yes, yes. So 
it's the, it was the great hierarchy of of basically shit kickers gradu- graduating um, to become less of a shit kicker. So like the guy that did the overnight. Well, actually, no. To be fair, I was the fill in shit kicker because right. the guy that <laughs> was was mad enough to sign up for uh, mid dawns on Friday nights and Saturday nights um, and Sunday nights. He he he, he fell ill. And I was panel operating at the time, so I knew my way around the desk and whatever. And I could, I could, I could panel. Industry term for pressing the buttons and playing the music yep. and whatever. But I never, I didn't do the talking. Um, but obviously, I'd done the course and whatever, and um, they knew that I could do it. But I just, but it was a perfect practice ground where you could, you you could stuff up on a commercial radio station. So me back then, not knowing, I don't know shit about music back then either. Um, but you know, it was a great era. Like every time. Avicii level. It was the Avicii levels era as well. So oh. like that studio, I just turned it up. It was. I still have, apart from my current job at the moment, I still like that job was the best job in the world. It actually genuinely was. It was. I'd play. I'd. Uh, I'd be guaranteed four hours pay for playing the best of fits in Whipper at six <laughs> o'clock at night after uni, um, and then. Yeah, um, and then occasionally do like the Saturday night like pre-recorded show and whatever. But then I had to do a live show as well, and that was like that was like another thrill as well. But it was a tough job. Like it's, and this is the thing about radio. I'd say this to people now. Like, um, uh, if if you wanted, there's people that I know now, and I've said this to someone recently. I said like you would love radio, but you would have loved it ten years ago. Mm. Now uh, it's 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 a harder game. Um, there's yeah, there's obviously like when you got Kyle and Jackie O doing what they're doing still, um, coming into Melbourne and whatever. They're great broadcasters, don't get me wrong, but it's it's a it's a worrying trend in the industry where everything's a lot smaller. People are doing it for cheaper. Um, anyway, but that's for for box of uh, transmitters. Um, <laughs> my. <laughs> My radio industry yeah. podcast. <laughs> it's a very small audience. Yes. But anyway, um, so I, I had, so Michael and I both had radio experience. Peter McGinley was still working at Coles. <laughs> he was so shitty. Uh, he was so jealous. And, no, and at one, like genuinely, at one point he got, he was genuinely upset that, um, that I, that Michael and I both had jobs in radio, granted entry level. And Peter was still, um, you know, managing, he was like the manager at Coles um, uh, in, in South East Melbourne. I won't name the store because the store had the unfortunate reputation of being the most dangerous Coles in oh. all of Melbourne. <laughs> it had a silent alarm that went directly to the police station oh, up the good. road. Um, but bizarrely, in the 10 years Peter McGinley worked there, he was never present for a robbery. <laughs> well... Um, so, if you would like to call Crime Stoppers uh, yeah, on our yes. behalf, you now know how the information for the string robberies That's in right. Melbourne Southeast Coles supermarkets. So, but yeah, anyway, Peter was 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 flat about that, and then we eventually I counselled him on some advice, and I jokingly said, "I'll become your manager," um, <laughs> and I demand a restitution of uh, of of um, some of your salary to me for for give, a finder's fee, basically. Um, and then I got him like a thing with 3AW just to fill it, just to do some like work experience. And then he actually got a job at SEN, mm. bizarrely, um, becoming the breakfast 
show's panel operator and the morning show's panel operator. And then he, and then bizarrely, I actually ended up at SEN as their digital manager. So like an off air role. Um, I lasted five months, but that's, I had a, I had a godfather offer. I couldn't refuse. Um, and, uh, I recommended Peter for that job. And, uh, a few iterations later, he's now like genuinely one of, one of the most senior important people, um, in the business. He's like head of broadcast operations or something. So he basically, yeah, will service the transmitter site. He will set up radio studios. He will set up servers and whatever, which is like a perfect job for him. Like yeah. he's such a nerd. Um, <laughs> he loves it. But unfortunately with that means his box of neutrals time. I, I don't want to say he's come to an end because he's always welcome. He's always welcome back. And we we reference him like every week anyway. So yeah. it's not that, yeah, he he doesn't want to do it or we don't want him to do it. It's he just doesn't have time and he's also just not allowed. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, SEN were very good to him and to me as well. Um to let him do the podcast when we were at the ABC. Sorry, I haven't got to the bit. We'll I'm get working there. Yep, to you. Yep. But basically, yeah, uh, we, we were allowed to do it. But Michael sent in, I sent a demo to someone at uh, at the network currently known as SCA and they wanted us to do a breakfast radio show in bumblefuck nowhere. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm, I'm not keen on that. And then, uh, but at the same time, Michael sent something and I don't know how, but he sent it to someone at ABC Sport. The guy replied, his his actual reply was genuinely, I'm Mark Webber's cousin. <laughs> Let's talk. What? And then Michael was all confused because he's just like, hey, I remember he called me. And he said, we we're both like, it could not have been that easy because he literally said, yeah, well, yeah, we'll, we'll do it. Well, yeah. Come on, come on board, come and do your show. So, um, I'm like, shit, okay, this 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 is all right. And at the at the time, I don't know if it's still around today, but there was a podcast called um, Test Match Sofa, and that was the format I think the ABC wanted us to do, which was their format was it was a couple of mates who would basically phantom commentate. Uh, live coverage of sport without obviously being the rights holder. Now, of course, they would do this whilst comment- whilst viewing the screen, but they didn't play the feed, obviously. So you'd circumvent the rights by doing that. But it's a little bit sneaky. Mm. But um, And we were particularly cognizant that it was uh, very sneaky. We were probably a little bit surprised at how brazen the ABC were to – let us or want us to do this kind of format. And so we explained basically like we couldn't and they understood that we like we weren't allowed to commentate the race, but and it was a good idea. And their their idea was it was basically companion radio um while people watched F1. So you could watch the coverage as it was then on Channel 10. Um, and then, but yeah, we were around for the Fox Sports, the early Fox Sports years in 20, whatever it was. And um, we would do, like, interviews. We'd preview the race and stuff like that. And probably that was the peak of our production values because we would do, like, run. we'd take it incredibly seriously. Like, I remember having a blow-up because the guy in the master control room stuffed up and we weren't on air. 
And so I had a full, you know, I went nuts, uh, you know, annoyed at um, that this was occurring because it was such perfectionist. We thought, oh, how amateur is this and whatever. A bit of an overreaction from me, but it was. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Jared. But yeah, we we were. Uh, yeah, we were we were taking it pretty seriously by then, and it was good. Like we'd preview the race an hour before, then the race would start, and then we'd uh, we'd basically not phantom commentate the first hour of a Grand Prix, but we would basically, you know, we would do longer form chats about topics uh, while the race was on in the background. We'd probably provide you know updates in terms of like, oh, you know, after you know lap ten, Valtteri Bottas is you know, in a remarkable position in the Williams gunning for a podium um, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was it was, it was was interesting it was, and it was good. They would let us – so we did that live show on a Sunday. They would then let us do our weekly podcast as well, which would then air on, you know, ABC Grandstand on, the, on their digital station. Um, and so, yeah, life was good until two pr- uh, new program directors later came in and literally said – um, yeah, we're winding you guys up because we're now only focusing on the big four sports being AFL, NRL, cricket, and to a lesser extent, the A-League. <laughs> um, so we missed Drive to Survive by mm, that much. Could you imagine? And had that, had that been around in 20, well, I don't know, it was 17 or 18. Or, I can't remember. So not far. It was um, like really not Yeah, no, far. not far. Mm. No. And, uh, yeah, we – not that we really made that much money from it. Um, we actually didn't even legally have a contract <laughs> as <laughs> well. Sick. It was literally – it was it was, it, it was the most handshake agreement you could ever hope for. And it was good because the, they gave us a bit of carte blanche in terms of what we could do as long as we didn't break the law. Mm. We, it, start, it started to get loose towards the end because we, we weren't getting air checked. I remember we – we had a new program director come in and he was ex Nova as well. And so he was, you know, commercial radio focused and whatever. And he, he was good at that stuff and he liked F1 as well. So it was like perfect. He's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to listen to you guys and give you an air check and this and that. And we weren't used to that mm. <laughs> um, for the first couple of years. And then, and then he gave us an air check once and then he got incredibly busy. <laughs> um <laughs> Because that role was like cooked. It was basically, you know, three people as one. Like mm-hmm. it was a, he was, you know, having to put up with, you know, um, where's Jared Waitley commentating <laughs> AFL from today to organizing OB links and, mm. you know, or just, yeah, it was a lot of work for the, for the content director to do. So he couldn't give us the time and the time that I guess he wanted to give us to do that. And then, uh, and then he, went sideways into another role and then they got another program director come in and he decided, I don't even know who it was. I don't even know the guy. Um, all I know is he called Michael and said, um, yeah, uh, we don't need you anymore, even though, which is hilarious. Like it literally cost them, uh, I reckon in the, what is it? What's the, how much is it out of your tax dollars that, that funds the ABC? Like the five cents? Yeah. Yeah, that it is. I reckon it was like zero point zero two of that went into box of neutrals. So, yeah, I, I don't know. But anyway, we went in. It, but at that time, if it was five years before, we'd be flat as a tack. Mm. 
but at that time, podcasts were starting to become more independent and whatever. And so we're like, I remember Michael called me up. He said, it's, done, it's over. And I went, oh, what do you mean? He's like, oh, ABC, they, 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 don't, they don't want us next year. They said, don't come back. And I'm like, huh, huh. what do you want to do? Because we've always been, like, I genuinely don't know when we'll stop doing the podcast mm. because Peter's, like, jumped off the plank reluctantly. But I, like, I, I still don't mind doing it. Michael clearly doesn't mind doing it. And so it's lost. <laughs> like, and I don't know, like, it's because it's so easy to do. It was just this great transition of it became so effortless that we didn't really care that it wasn't on the radio anymore. If anything, it was a blessing because it meant less work. Mm. <laughs> so, and then we could just have fun with it. So it went from in the space of I don't know, 10 years, it went from being a, a, like a, a hobby to like we're going to take this seriously hobby to a well-credentialed side hustle to then being a hobby again mm. with a little bit of pocket money along the way. So um yeah it's it's yeah i genuinely don't know when we'll stop it's effectively its own life form now the the podcast and yeah, when, a little bit when you build an audience in the way that you guys have done over such a long time and also being from well before drive to survive a lot of people found you who you know, wanted a community of F1 people to talk to. And as you both had experienced, there's not that many, like if you're in a friendship group, there's not that many people who used to love F1. We're all similar age. So, yeah, you know, like early 30s. So back sort of 2010, 2011, like 2021, 22, trying to talk about F1 with anyone was almost impossible in trying to say how exciting it was that Jensen Button was able to win after all of the issues with Honda yes. going into Braun. And people were like, what, who? I don't yeah. understand. Like, it's changed so much since then, but you've yeah you've built this big thing at the peak of the time in ABC. Did you ever have any kind of aspirations to be international or go on a broadcast with Channel Ten or then Fox or even you know working with F One directly as either by yourself or as a group? Yeah, there was a little bit of a of a dream of like what else could we do because we always thought that you know oh we could just do it better mm. than everyone else because. We were the only different product out there. We were we weren't the same sort of you know, um, yeah. I guess offering in the F one world back then it was a very different time back then in comparison mm. to now. There's so many other people that have you know um, boomed exponentially, courtesy of Drives to Survive, courtesy of F one expanding digital offering and stuff like that. So, um, but you know, to be honest, like you know, we, we were just two Aussies just talking shit about F1. We weren't particularly credentialed in how we did it, but, you know, that, that didn't stop WTF1, did it? So <laughs> it's, so I don't know. Like we, we, we did actually have an international footprint. Uh, I don't know if I could, No, I can reveal it because it's not how Michael gets his pass anymore. Mm. Um, so bizarrely, we knew someone that, moved to Thailand and he was working at a uh, like a English speaking radio station over there for like expat Aussies and whatever and he recommended us to do a to do a show um, and the newspaper uh, the sorry the radio station was backed by a newspaper in Phuket the Phuket Times 
So we would do, so basically two versions of Boxer Neutrals would be produced every week. And this is even while we were at the ABC. So at at then Her Majesty's Studios, (laughs) we were producing a commercial radio show for Phuket Live (laughs) 89.5 FM, um, which was like, it was like an hour show or something. And we would pre-record like on a Saturday morning, and but we pre-recorded it on like a Thursday mm-hmm. evening when we used to do the show. Uh, so we'd yeah we pre-recorded it into you know four segments or something like that because it had you know obviously talking uh, sorry um, music and ad breaks and whatever. So yeah, we would do that, um, and then but we also kept that relationship because it was handy because it was the only way uh, Michael and I could get F one media access. Mm back in the day. So while we were cutting out, we needed some kind of in somehow. So technically I was the first credentialed Phuket Live (laughs) 89.5 correspondent at the 2012 Malaysian Grand Prix. Wow. It was a whirlwind because I remember like we got told we were doing it and the station is organising your passes to go to the Grand Prix. Uh. I can't remember if they organised the accommodation or, but yeah, basically, oh, did they even do the airfares? I can't, it was something wild. But anyway, I didn't have my passport by then. And so the Monday immediately after the Australian Grand Prix, because I think it was like a week in between, I'm willing to say, um, it was, I went to the passport office, got a passport. I was, and it's hilarious because it was a, I think it was a, in 2012, I think it was a warm Grand Prix from memory. So we're in the grandstand, we're in the baking sun um, in the weekend. And this is the funny thing. So like we'd go to the Oz Grand Prix. Oh yeah, no, we only had national media accreditation. Mm-hmm. So we're in the V8 supercars kind of area. So I announced, let's go to the grandstand and watch the race. I don't want to sit next to Thomas Randall. No. So we, um, we, we we would still go to the F1 and watch as fans basically from yep. the grandstand and then we'd be, as our, as our mate who, a long-suffering friend of ours was like, oh, you pretend media journalists just eating party pies and sausage rolls <laughs> in the media centre. Um, and so, yeah, we, yeah, so we, we did Australia. Then I, yeah, got my passport on the Monday Pays the, I don't know, 700 bucks or whatever it was mm. at the time um, to get my passport done like that week. And then uh, we flew out uh, Friday night <laughs> and landed in Malaysia, a country I'd never been to before. Uh, I'd never been overseas before either. Oh. So it was my first. So that's why like everything was just like it was nuts. Yeah. It, was, it was bizarre. And uh yeah, like just never experienced that much humidity before. I'd never had Malaysian KFC before. <laughs> but like we were in and out. Like we landed. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, because it was the year that uh, Perez, I think, was on the podium, if you mm. recall. Mm-hmm. I think Alonso won that race in the Ferrari or something. It was red flagged. Mm. And so we were kind of get fine because we weren't anticipating a red flag because we had to fly out immediately after the race. So basically, in a, and granted, this is an era like before WhatsApp and mm. um, 
message. So it was just, it was very hard to communicate between us. So I was the only one in the media center. Michael and Peter were just in the general um, uh, admission area. And so Michael messages me saying, we need to, we need to leave like as soon as the checkered flag drops. So I do what I need to do for box of neutrals. So I like, I wrote the race report and stuff for the newspaper it wasn't a, fr- a completely free junket illegitimately where we just sat and watched the race. We legitimately were like, well, we should <laughs> do work. some stories. And yeah, yeah. Do some work. <clears throat> um, and so, yeah, we literally grabbed our bags, bolted, I bolted out of the media centre and we found a taxi. And, of course, after the race, it's hella expensive. I think mm. it was like, I don't know, it was like 200 ringgit or something, which is like, 30 bucks at the time, Australian dollars, and it was the most expensive part of our trip thus wow. far. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was, it was, remember, is I then had one more stint in Malaysia in 2014, and so that was the last time I went there. Um, and yeah, I think the last time I was there as a credentialed boxer neutrals person was like 2017, I think. Um, and yeah, I, I I got a pass because I just emailed someone and then I got it and then that but that was the last time because then my actual work um, took over a bit more and uh, therefore I didn't need to do boxer neutrals anymore, which was handy timing because like you know by then it was we were doing it for fun again and we took it less seriously and uh, I could actually do my job yeah. <laughs> um, at that weekend. So anyway, yeah, it worked out. Um, all right, but yeah, but like you know, I had personal dreams of doing, maybe going to F one and doing stuff like that. I I like I like I even got as far as applying for a gig over there. Um, I nearly moved at one point uh, to do it. I told Michael, I said, you know, just FYI, I've I've actually applied for a gig and um, I did get I got shortlisted for it. Um, I was ready to go, um, and so I just said, oh hey, heads up, this might happen. Um, obviously, it did not eventuate. And I'm glad I didn't because the way it turned out, my visa would have expired in August of 2020 and I would have done bloody two weeks quarantine in Howard Springs at my own expense. <laughs> uh, so uh, it was a blessing in disguise. Yeah, it was totally. not obviously not meant to be. But, yeah, uh, but yeah I've, I've, it's very impressive. It's, it's weird. Like working in motorsport, people think that like, oh, you know, you must like – deal with F1 drivers and F1 cars all day. And I'm like, that's still an office job at the end yeah. of the day. Like I went through, I, I I did a tour of the F1 facility in Biggin Hill and, uh, you know, they still have Dell monitors and they still have a lunchroom and a coffee machine. And, you know, the minutia of an everyday job, it just happens to be the, be, you know, one of F1's offshoot offices. And, uh, you know, um, so that was cool. But like, yeah, uh, and, and Michael, I think I didn't know this, but he also expressed an interest in going overseas at one point, and um, we uh, he also seemingly came to terms with, um, you know, happy not to not to do it because it's yeah, it can it can be quite tiring and and uh, knowing people in that ecosystem yeah. and knowing other but like. People have described it like you get institutionalized a little bit, like it's hard, and you can see how it happens because you do. Like imagine doing F one for, you know, even like three years on the beat, let alone the people that have been in that paddock for twenty. 
you leave that paddock, you try to get a normal job in the real world, it's 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 no different. You may as well have been in jail. Yeah. You may as well have <laughs> like reacquaint yourself with like normal society, lining up for Subway, like at twelve ten, like every other person does in an industrial yeah. estate. Like it's it's weird. It's weird. And so, um, yeah. So like the desire to go often, you know, chase my dreams, as it were, like those. Those days are done because, like, A, I'm too old. In my eyes, I'm too old to be doing that stuff. But, yeah. like, I'm okay with it. Like, it's fine. It, it, I, I'm not ungrateful for anything that we experience or the experiences I have or the work I do or whatever. So it's um, it would have been nice to have done it, but I'm not upset or losing sleep or having regrets about it either. I'm curious about the transition from... It being a side hustle but well-credentialed back to being fun again because this is, like, it's tough to put podcasts together. We both yeah. do it and sometimes it's really exciting and you come up with a new podcast idea and that all sounds great and and whatever, And but the longer it goes on, sometimes you don't know who you're doing it for and when mm. you hang out with people like Michael and you are obviously great mates and that makes a big mm. difference, was it hard to bring the joy back to begin with or did you find because you'd been doing it for so long that, and you dropped track on having to adhere to ABC values, you're just able to keep going because obviously it has kept going. I imagine your audience numbers are growing year on year even with thousands of other podcasts starting like ours to not necessarily, well, to take, there's only the audience pie is only so big. So, you know, you, you lose a little bit, I suppose, but yeah. because you've been going so long and you've and you do have a very unique Show, like you're the only F1 podcast I listen to. I don't bother listening to my own thing because well, I edit it, but I still listen and <laughs> laugh and then get to hang out with you in real life. I get to have that 4D experience. Look at me go. But is the was it hard to find the joy again or does it was it always just there? Uh, it, it's hard to describe. Uh, funnily enough, I think the only frustration I started to have about doing it was genuinely running the Twitter account. <laughs> so because the schedule started to blow out and, like, the amount of times I'd be like, oh, no, nah, sorry, I can't hang out. I've got to watch the F1 race. I've got to bloody tweet. And because, like, and because we were a 2010 product as well, so Twitter started to, to explode in that time yeah. and we leveraged Twitter to to build an audience because that's when, you know, when Marta Brunel, David Coulthard or later years, David Croft would reference it, the Twitter feed would explode with, ah, box of whatever. But then we would do like, I'd make memes and whatever and then they would go quote unquote viral. And so I'd spend so much time just trying to replicate the next funny mm. thing that we would do. They would start to become hard work. And so funnily enough, the podcast was never really hard work. Like, yeah, we'd pop in after we'd have to drive to bloody South Bank or whatever after work um, and spend an hour doing it or, like, the ABC computer would shit itself and we'd lose a whole hour's recording we'd have to start again or Michael's overseas, Peter's also overseas, I'm in Melbourne but forgot to record the show <laughs> and I'm at the pub. <laughs> I've once recorded the show half. I have recorded an episode drunk before. I genuinely have. I'm not. Right. I'm good for you. Mildly embarrassed to admit it. No, but I have don't done be. it before. And, and yeah, it was. Um, 
So, yeah, the podcast was actually easy to do. Mm. It was genuinely the Twitter account started to grate on me because it's just like now it's like hard work to do and like now and then having to do it at like dumb hours, like doing North American races and whatever, it was like really hard. Mm. I'm not a morning person. Mm. But, (laughs) but yeah, but that that started to become difficult and – But I was always like, I felt bad because I think by that stage I stopped editing the podcast. I was, I would do the show media, but I would stop editing. So, because it used to be, I would edit. Michael would basically produce it. Peter would do the live buttons. He managed the website and paid for it. Uh, And then, yeah, I would spend the time editing it, making show media, whatever. And then less and less as my because I think I was the only like Peter had his full-time job but it was a very nine to five kind of full-time job or well, odd hours because he'd work like night shifts and stuff like that whereas I got a full-time job and then it became difficult to adapt and have the energy to do podcasting and whatever and so I stopped editing but I kept tweeting and I felt bad because I'm like Michael's doing a lot of the grunt work and I'm complaining about writing some tweets and so but the tweets started to just not become creative anymore. They started to become a bit too matter. It was just like, oh, it feels like work now. Um, and I remember at what point, and then, because I think, yeah, Michael would text me saying, oh, are you, are you tweeting? Because, like, if I slept in or something or if I don't do it, uh, I'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'd feel bad. Um, and I can't remember how we got onto the topic, but then basically I said, I can't be fucked doing it. Is it okay that we don't, just don't tweet anymore? And, and then it was like, yeah, no worries. And so basically we don't. So our social media presence has diminished dramatically. Like to be honest, we're not big on socials because I I don't like I'm using my phone. But (laughs) on my phone, I I reckon I don't even have the Twitter account on there. I don't have or the X account. I don't have the Instagram. The Instagram we set up was like the last thing that we set up. The YouTube account we haven't serviced in God knows how long. The Facebook page. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. So, like, occasionally the show goes up on there and that's how we communicate. We have the Discord, which I think is, you know, a more interactive way to engage with our audience. It's almost just like a, the Boxer Neutrals app, yeah, which I like because it's just like here's the episode and you guys can talk amongst yourselves and make dumb shit and whatever, which we enjoy. Uh, and I'm always like I'll check every so often um, to see, like, you know, there's still people that join the group for the first time and, mm. You know, it, it's 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 a fairly engaged, you know, niche group of people, which I like. Like, I I, I don't, I genuinely don't know our podcast numbers. I couldn't tell you, and I don't care mm. because um, I'm not living and dying by those numbers. Because I just, I I'm doing it because, I, I mean, to be honest, I see Michael Emanato once a week, so it's for me. I I see a friend. I'm guaranteed to see a friend once a week um, to talk about F1. It's a bit of fun um, and that's – it's very simple. So – and that's probably why the show just won't stop immediately. Like, I don't know. Like, we we had a meeting last week – sorry, earlier this week actually about what we're doing next year. So there's a couple of things that I think we're working on that's a bit more – that is going to require more effort. So – but that, you know, that obviously comes with, you know, where we can get support commercially and what have you. Um, But – but nevertheless, we we still want to do it because at, at its heart, it's I guess I hang out with Michael once a week and we talk about F one and it's very simple. 
It's very. I I don't know how long it takes Michael to edit the show, but it's very from my understanding, and I'm happy to be corrected, Michael. If you watch this back and say it takes me six hours to edit your <laughs> stuff ups, um, of which it's funny. Like if you if because I used to edit it, and I would edit it like ferociously. Ums ums stumbles stuff ups whatever. I would fix. I would. It was seamless. And then like you listen to the show now, you hear me like mid tr- uh, uh, mid thought, <laughs> and I get confused. <laughs> You know, but it's I don't care. It's, it's fine. authentic. I don't, I don't mind. We're getting the yeah. real Rob. But, but like even this year, like I started, I, I was just a bit like, th- th- there's a point in the year where not that I don't care, but it's just like, oh, I'm just so busy with work and whatever. It's just hard to keep up and it's hard to like make bloody Jared Whiteley rhymes and whatever and all the <laughs> stuff that I get excited about at the start of the year. Where like if you were listening to the first show of Box of Neutrals this year, it went, it was a, Oh, you were there. You were the. I was there. There was a gag. There was a literal sketch for ten minutes. Yeah, high production. People stopped. It was nuts. The 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 premise was for for the if your audience haven't heard was basically Mm. we we took the piss out of the WTF one exit and we announced that we were getting that we were leaving and we replaced you with like uh, Darren Hinch and Oprah Winfrey or something something (laughs) stupid and you were Darren. Yeah, and, and it was the whole joke, and you know we, 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 uh, but genuinely like, and it also it was flattering and concerning because people were like, we're so serious. like, oh, if I'm subscribing, I'm not listening to that to <laughs> anyone else. I want Michael and Rob, uh, you know, this is shit, whatever. So people genuinely unsubscribed, and so I, so it was either they listened and thought we were did too good of a job fooling them that we were leaving. <laughs> but they just like, nah, never again. And then we had to backtrack and go, oh, no, actually, no, that was a joke. That was a joke. Was a Please sketch. come back. Yeah, don't leave <laughs> because, us. Because, you know, our sponsor, they've committed to six months and we need to, we don't want to get paid. <laughs> so, you know, and, and again, that was just like a dumb idea that I, because, uh, yeah, it, it, it's good because it's not like, it's not like the Beatles or any rock band that like starts to you know lose its way and like get as infighting and creative differences. It's just like oh, I want to do this. What do you reckon? Oh yeah, it's kind of funny, and, and, and yeah, like it, it's yeah, it, it's very simple and authentic. But like yeah, I do get a bit bogged down in the middle of the year. But but a friend of mine, um, who not that he doesn't listen, but I've never, he's never actually like really said, oh, I really like your podcast. Like out of the blue, like I'm prompted, said, oh, hey, you know what? I'm actually really enjoying your podcast at the moment. And this was in a period where I thought, I'm lazy. I'm I'm not doing enough. I should be doing more. And, and I thought, oh, my performance hasn't been good. I've been a bit shit with, you know, I, I've, and, and so like I've been questioning like, oh, my own performance. And then, yeah, for a friend of mine to say, um, no, I'm actually like genuinely really enjoying it or I got back into it or whatever. Um, so yeah, sort of helps keep us going, I guess. How do you find having a community? Because Discord is a really cool place to be engaged with fans all over the world. It's funny talking to some people who start podcasts now or YouTube channels trying to do F1 content creator things and, and we both struggle with that but also like the, what it needs to really take things up to the next level. We'll, we'll do social media, but I do it begrudgingly because I do have other stuff to do with my life as well. But for for a lot of them, it's like, oh, we want to get famous, you know, as as the quote 
And the reality is both you and I, and if you're watching this podcast, wherever you are, thank you. But that means that we're famous because you're watching us. We have a level of fame within the world of F1, which is really hard to sort of comprehend sometimes as we sit in our play seat and in (laughs) our study talking about this kind of stuff. Do you think about that at all? Do you think about the audience and how much, I know you don't know your numbers, but you know that you've got, you know, 400 people, odd people in a Discord who every time I log in there, I'm mainly just like getting all rid of all of the notifications because there's so many all of the time. Yeah, no, it's flattering. And and I don't, I genuinely don't envy people that are trying to make it big or to start up a podcast from the ground up, not to mention the level of competition there is now in, mm. in, in that space. And, um, you know, some do it better than others. Some um, are trying. Some are doing it for nefarious reasons. <laughs> um, but, yep. you know, the, uh, like I drive. Um, but... <laughs> But at, but like <laughs> from I'll, I'll give you I'll give you two answers. So from my mm. point of, point of view, I don't care, and that's great because F one's at, at like exploded now. It's huge and whatever. But I think Michael and I are just so confident with that with each other and quote unquote the product that like it, you know, we we do it. If we had a producer, if we had more help, if we had more production, it'd be great. But I think it would lose a little bit of its authenticity because it's just a bit casual, a bit loose. Um, but, you know, but that said, you know, we used to regularly interview people of note in F1 and we don't really do that anymore. Um, whether, whether that's a good thing or not, I don't really know, uh, but I don't really care either. So I think in the time we're in now, we, we, we're not chasing anything. So it actually makes it easier for us because we don't care. Um, in the sense that we don't care of of getting, oh, someone's going to pick us up and we're going to make all this money and we're going to, like, be on Sky Sports F1 and do joke segments wearing Lycra climbing up our Rouge and, <laughs> you know, shit like, you know. Like, I don't fired like, Johnny Herbert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, um, it hasn't been the same since. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> So that from that point of view, I I I don't care. Like, yeah. it, like it's fine. But also, it's nice that, and I quite like the fact that it's a smaller audience because it's the 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 risk that you run with like a a broader appeal. So you're gonna you're gonna have a, an audience of again like Johnny Herbert, like people in Sky F1 would be like, oh that was great, whatever. This is good content, whatever. There'd be people that would be indifferent. Weirdly love it or be like us and bag it. Mm. And so I don't think I want to get to us because I'm not, because I guess we don't put in, we're, we're not a big fish. We're not a big player in the scene. So I don't think we get as much shit come our way. So it's very, it's very rare that I see or hear criticism about our show. I reckon I like, I reckon I've heard maybe two or three. Genuinely, in my time that I've seen, like I don't go, I don't go out looking for it either. Mm. But I, the the first time we, the first bit of negative feedback I ever saw was someone on our Facebook page commented after we released an episode, um, or maybe it was when we announced we we're going to the ABC, 
They accuse us of being sellouts. <laughs> you sellouts, blah, blah, blah. Like, mate, it's only new. It was, um, so someone said, oh, you know, it hasn't been the same since. Uh, and then I think someone else, I, I, I know people bemoan the fact that we, we don't have Peter on the show anymore. And I agree because it's, you know, it was the perfect formula because he was the person that didn't know much about F1. And to his credit, he actually uh, gained a lot of knowledge in F1 to the point where in the midst of Bahrain having a civil war, he decided it was a good idea to still go to Bahrain. Uh, I don't know how, why he's, I respect <laughs> him for it because this is a man a year earlier who was petrified of going to a uh, oriental restaurant because it was out of his comfort zone and then the next year he's gone to Bahrain and missed the civil war. Me. So anyway, but we we don't have a Peter on the show. So yeah. to be fair, Michael and I, we're both experts as best as we can be without being F1 drivers or F1 people, um, as in like F1 people through the system who've worked in it or whatever. Um, so I'm conscious to not. But, but this is the thing. Like now I think Boxer Neutrals will attract a niche audience of people that know about F1 so we don't make it general or dumb it down um, with the, you know, not that it's not that people who dumb it down are doing it. it it's just we know that you if you're into F1 and you're listening to us, you've, you've chosen our show for a reason. Mm. So we, yeah, we, we kind of respect the fact that it's, it might be a small audience. I, I've heard the numbers before and I get genuinely surprised what the numbers are. <laughs> but in terms of like trends, whether they've been up and down, I genuinely don't know and I don't care either. But the the audience that we do have, I do respect the fact that they stick around and listen and seem to enjoy it. And, um, yeah, probably really we do it for – if it's not for ourselves, we probably do it for them. And so whenever I do an episode, I'm conscious that – you know, there are people from North Carolina listening that <laughs> for whatever reason stumbled upon our show and enjoyed it. It's had weird followers. We were big in the Netherlands way before Max, mind yeah. you, as well because of the Olaf Mole connection. So we used to be pretty big over there. And then the UK was also pretty big. Uh, then America, like, started to become big, specifically North Carolina. Uh, for the life of me, I don't know why. But, yeah, but, like, because it's niche, because it's small, uh, I think we're less prone to criticism because I think we still – I like to think we still respect our audience and I hope they mm. know that. So that's um, – yeah, that's I like to keep it that way. Well, you form such an important part of the landscape, honestly. I mean, I don't view us as competitors. We do share some audience members across both Discord servers, which is hilarious when that com- comes across. But, yeah, it, it just you guys are doing great things. And, uh, oh, thank you. Yeah. We love having you as kind of the biggest sibling because you've sort of forged the path. We're slightly different but in the same way still a podcast from Melbourne talking about Formula One. But I love that because of those two things, it's created friendships for the three of us, an extreme e-podcast, maybe other things in the future, TBC. It's just, it's cool things. It's like, it's really cool. It's like the community. It's it's not like that cutthroatness that it feels like Formula One is at Sky level and Fox Sports and, and everything else. There's actually like a genuine community now of podcasters as well as then a community underneath that of fans. Yeah, it's nice because it's, because um, knowing how difficult podcasts are to make, you have to respect other people that do it. And I think as long as, 
it's a huge cliche and I hate to say it, but as long as you're authentic with how you do it and how you present it, there's always going to be an audience for you. Um, so I think, yeah, like the, I, I, you know, I'm sure there's lots of people that want to do an F1 podcast and whatever. So it's just about, you know, finding your voice. I hate saying that, but it's, <laughs> but it's true. Like it's, you gotta, you gotta find what tickles your fancy. And I think yeah. for us, like we, yeah, well, like we look at the basics of an F1. We do talk about what happened in an F1 race, but then we'll, you know, find things that I find amusing. Mike will find things that he finds amusing and we sort of, you know, run with that. And so, um, yeah, like like it's like like you said, it's it's a it's a good community of you know every, everyone that doesn't have F one podcast deserves is is going to have respect in my eyes because it's um because it's hard work um to do and but it's fun like it, it's 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 a good way to it's because what's that thing on TikTok at the moment? It's everyone like a lot of people just don't have that third thing to do because it's always like people have. Work, family, and then like a like a hobby, like playing you yeah. know, futsal on a Tuesday afternoon or something like that. Whereas for me, like doing a podcast on a Monday with Michael is my third thing. It's just, it's it's my third thing to do. Gets to be out of the house basically, yeah. <laughs> um, and inside a studio with no <laughs> inside windows. A very small studio, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah, it's it's fun to do. And so hopefully, like you know, if if you want to do a, if you're watching this, you want to do a podcast, you should be able to do it because it's. Um, because it's fun and it's the right time to do it because it's, you know, you don't have to have a radio studio. You can sit in a racing seat with a microphone in front of you on a laptop in your house and do it. So yeah, it's easy. Well, mate, thank you for taking the time to have a chat. I won't bother asking about this F1 season or what you think F1 next year is going to be like because we both need to do season reviews of our own on our own shows. So if you want Rob's opinion on that, go listen to Boxer Neutrals's review season review at some point in the next couple of weeks i'm sure yes uh, i i'm gonna put a i'm gonna have a ceremonial message in a bottle at brighton beach <laughs> and um because one of my predictions came half right mm. um it was the it was the soft one it was the locum sergeant one but anyway well, but no don't forget your um, daniel ricardo prediction or, or suggestion from last year of taking a sabbatical oh. happened so Rob's Rob's the dramas. If there's anything I have a f- huge head wobble and ego about, it's bloody <laughs> Rob's the dramas. Because I was right about Fernando Alonso going mm-hmm. back to McLaren a second time around. I called it. I bloody well called it. And I <laughs> it was some other things that I've called before as well that I go, oh, just a genius. But um, but no, uh they're just honestly, they're wild guesses. Yes, they like, are. All of the, none of them are any sort of intel <laughs> that I'm passing off as a wild guess. They've genuinely just gone, I think he'll go back. Or I think, no, Ricardo, you should take a year off. I reckon he'll do that. So it's just, yeah. Again, well, it's like me bullshitting my way through a radio interview. Sometimes yes. I bullshit my way through the future. That's right. Well, I I would hope that you continue to do that, mate. Because uh, yeah, thank you. It's it's a pleasure to listen to you both, and it's great to just have you solo to talk about your story. Thank you very much for that. So let's have a Robster dramas before we wrap this one up for 2024 on Lakeside Drive. What have you got that is exclusive to this podcast? So you know how we start the 2024 season with the same lineup that we enjoyed at the end of 2023 it will change Ooh. Liam Lawson in mm. you heard it here first well i think uh, i think we all want that because that means the promotion of our lord and savior back to red bull and uh, thank god oscar piastri didn't stay anywhere near alpine 
Who knows, Jack Dewan might end up. Genuinely lovely him. kid, by the way, Liam Lawson. I had a little bit to do with him in his early days. Um, yeah, he. We. I think when I met him, I knew he was going to be. He was going to be top shit. So he. Uh, I'm glad that my Robster dramas of 2017 was also <laughs> proven correct. Um, but yeah, he. Uh, he's a good kid, so he deserves it 100. Awesome. Well, mate, thank you again for joining us. I can't wait to see how you guys grow next year and doing more random things. And I'm looking forward to your end of year season review podcast very soon. Cool. Until uh, until next week, I've been Neil Mitchell. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for watching. (laughs) 3AW is is Formula One. (laughs) Ultimate Frisbee. (laughs) Sports Social Podcast Network.